As my sons grow up, many of you know I have three sons, as they grow up, they are discovering what it means to be the son of a pastor. (laughs) There are some benefits from that, and there are also many challenges. One of my boys asked one time, Dad, what do other kids' daddies do? (laughs) As if being a pastor is the only job a man can have, you know. I said, well, there are a lot of other jobs. In fact, most kids' daddies are not pastors. Once in a while, my kids will say something like, well, my dad is the pastor. Or they'll say something like, Dad, you're the pastor. Why don't you just do what you want to do? (laughs) Well, I have to explain to them what it means to hopefully try and be a humble and wise leader when you're in a position of authority. Also, I try to teach them what it means to be the son of someone who is in a position of authority. In our weird story today, We're going to hear Jesus speak about sons of a king and how they are treated because their father is in charge of all things. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us. If you're new here, you might say, we just prayed. Why are we praying again? Well, we we believe in the power of prayer. We want the Lord to speak to us specifically through the reading and preaching of his word. So join me now as we pray. God, we ask for you to speak to us. We acknowledge that you are our Father and our King. Thank you for adopting us as your own. And Father, we pray that through your word, you teach us more about yourself and your ways for us, your children. We pray, God, that you show us where we are lacking spiritual growth, Some of us lacking true repentance. Some of us still perhaps walking in sin and darkness. God, we pray that you work by the power of your Holy Spirit. Your word is promised power with your spirit. So do something powerful, we pray today. God, we pray that you encourage us, strengthen us, and use us for your name's sake. In the name of King Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I want to give you a little context. Many of you were here when I preached through the whole book of Matthew. I'm not going to do all that today. It took me about two years to do. But I will give you a little context. We have the ministry of Jesus and his apostles. Of course, Jesus called his apostles. He told them, I will make you fishers of men. And then they centered their ministry around the region called Capernaum. And they went out from Capernaum, all over Israel, did all types of ministry, and then they often would come back and kind of regroup in Capernaum. And oftentimes, when they're in Capernaum, the leaders in that area, the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders, kind of knew what Jesus was up to. So when he was back in town, they would often try to trap him, or they would question him, sometimes just innocent questions, most of the time not. But they would try to trick him or get him into some type of controversy, so that kind of brings us to where we are today in this passage. The, the, belief, the disciples are back in Capernaum with Jesus. That kind of brings you to where we are in Matthew 17. So look at your Bibles in Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. When they came to Capernaum, those who collected the temple tax approached Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. When he went into the house, Jesus spoke to him first. What do you think, Simon? 
From whom do earthly kings collect tariffs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? From strangers, he said. Then the sons are free, Jesus told him. But so we won't offend them. Go to the sea, cast in a fish hook, and take the first fish that you catch. When you open its mouth, you'll find a coin. Take it and give it to them for me and you. So that is our passage today. Our sermon today is entitled, I Will Make You Fishers of Money. Now, if you were wondering what that meant, I hope you caught on. If you didn't, just read the passage again on your own. But this is a little play off of words when what Jesus said to the disciples when they were fishing and he called them to follow him. He said, I will make you fishers of men. So this is a cute little title, Fishers of Money. Obviously, this sermon is not about gaining money. That's not the point at all. But what is it about? I'm glad you asked. First, let's discover this first point. Remember the master. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's in your bulletin if you want to write in your bulletin. Remember the master. One beautiful truth that comes out of this weird story from the Bible is that we serve King Jesus. We serve the king. Our God is master of all the universe. And so we must maintain that truth in our hearts and in our minds. We must remember we serve the master. Now the Bible also paints a very clear picture that we should honor those in authority, even when we don't agree with them. That's, I preached about that in the book of Romans. We'll look at it again later. But we should honor our parents. We should honor our bosses. We should honor our elected officials. We should honor our teachers. We should even honor our pastors. Why? Why should we do that? Well, because the master the one who is in ultimate authority, has told us to do that. And so we honor the master when we honor those who are in other places of authority. However, those who are children of the king should never forget who is really in charge. We should never forget that the Lord God, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, is really in charge. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is master of all. So we must live with that knowledge. We must remember the master. We must remember that we belong to King Jesus. This exchange between Jesus and Simon Peter, by the way, you might be confused because it says Peter and then it says Simon. Well, his name was Simon, but he was also called Peter. Okay, And so he was called both. So we see this conversation with Jesus and Simon Peter in verses 25 and 26, and it makes it clear that we are children of the king. And the children of the king shouldn't have to pay for the king's home. Now you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, don't forget here, they're talking about the temple tax. This was not a Roman tax. The Romans were in power and they had a lot of taxes. This was not a Roman tax. This was a Jewish tax. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of a, in fact, I have some extended family who are Jewish and they still do things like this today. I talked to them about how do you collect tithes and offerings in your synagogue? And here's what they do today. Every family is sent a bill. I thought, hey, that's a good idea. So when you get home, check your mailbox. You'll have a bill based on your income. Okay, I'm just kidding. We're not, we don't do that, but that's what they do. It was sort of the same way back then. Every man over 20 years old had to pay a tax to maintain the temple complex. Of course, the temple was the home 
so to speak, of the Lord God, of Israel. And so Jesus is asking, in earthly situations, with earthly kings, do the princes, do the princesses have to pay to help maintain the dwelling of the king? Well, of course not. They don't have to do that. They live there. They're part of the family. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Look at verses 25 and 26 again. Jesus says, what do you think, Simon? From whom do earthly kings collect tariffs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? From strangers, he said. Then the sons are free. Well, that could have been the end of the discussion, right? They do not have to pay for the temple because they belong to Jesus. And Jesus is king. Jesus is king over the temple. And the children of the king are free. So ultimately, we don't owe anything to anyone because we owe everything to the master. And he's over everything. That's not the end of the story, of course. But first, we must remember the master. Second, we must remember the mission. We must remember the mission. Even though we only owe our allegiance to the master, even though we only owe anything to our king, the master has given us a mission. Among other things, God has told us repeatedly, repeatedly through his word, not to cause trouble or to stir up rebellion, listen closely, just for the sake of causing problems. He's told us repeatedly not to do that. It's all throughout the word of God. Where at, you may ask. I'm glad you asked. Write these verses down. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Boy, I wish more people would put that verse on their wall. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. Jesus himself said in John 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. Church, we must remember the mission. Why are we here? We are not here to intentionally cause trouble. We are not here to intentionally make life more difficult for those around us and those in positions of authority. Jesus told us very clearly, God's word tells us very clear, clearly what our mission is. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, we are told to go and make disciples. That is our mission. Go and make disciples. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we are told that we will be Jesus' witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. In Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, we are told that the most important thing we can do is love God and love others. Some of you are saying, some of that sounds familiar. Well, we came up with a very easy vision statement for our church. We just read the Bible and said, hey, let's do that. Church, there are lots of things in this world 
that are important. Lots of things. But nothing is more important for the child of the master than the mission of the master. Nothing is more important. I enjoy college football. I enjoy sitting in the woods. I enjoy reading a good book. I enjoy driving my old truck, listening to country music. I enjoy throwing a line in a lake. I enjoy watching movies. I enjoy my family. I enjoy church potlucks. But there's nothing more important than the mission of God. Jesus wanted Peter to know that they shouldn't be caught up in whether or not they should pay the temple tax. Jesus is like basically saying, don't worry about that. Just pay the tax. He says in verse 27, but so we won't offend. So we won't offend. Listen, church. It's important that we understand this part, okay? Because I want you to hear me clearly. Jesus was not afraid of offending others. However, Jesus did not seek to offend just for the sake of being offensive. Further, Jesus didn't want to offend if it detracted from the mission. If it took away from what God sent him to do as the most important thing he was supposed to do on this earth, Jesus said, let's go ahead and just settle that. Don't worry about that. There would be other times for Jesus and his followers that the mission actually did cause offense. I mean, Jesus said, people will try and kill you. And he said, they're going to kill me. Jesus knew this. It would offend, and it will still to this day offend, to say that people are sinners in need of forgiveness. That is offensive to many people. It will offend to say that Jesus is the exclusive only way to God the Father, the only way to make it to heaven, the only way to be forgiven of our sins. That's offensive to many people. It will offend to say that the Bible, though an ancient document, is still true and still relevant and still powerful. That is offensive to many people. They say, how can you still believe that old stuff? So we are not to avoid offense at all cost, but we are to remember the mission. Prioritize that which is most important to what God has called us to do. So the mission of God, I hope you believe this, the mission of God is more important than our politics. I didn't say politics weren't important. I vote every time. I didn't say they weren't important. But the mission of God is more important than our politics. The mission of God is more important than our preferences. The mission of God is more important than our personalities or our professions or our protests or our pleasure. The mission of God is more important than all those things. Sometimes we're so distracted by making sure that everyone knows that we are right and the world is wrong that we actually miss the opportunity to have any real changing impact in the world because we're so caught up in these things that are not important to the actual mission of God. So if you want people to feel the impact of God, then give them the love of God and the truth of God. Give them Jesus. Give them the love of Jesus. And give them the truth of Jesus. Remember the mission. Remember the mission. Finally, remember the miracle. 
Remember the miracle. Church, this weird story is an absolute miracle. Now, I've caught a lot of fish in my life. I don't even know how many, a lot. I've caught a lot of fish. Anytime I get a chance to go fishing, I try to go. But to this day, I have never caught a fish with a coin in its mouth. Now, it's certainly not impossible. But this probably would be impossible without the miracle of God. If someone were to say ahead of time that the first fish you catch will have a coin in its mouth, well, that would be truly impressive. Now, I like to go fishing with my buddy Don Scarborough. I don't, know, I don't think Don's here this morning. He's one of our deacons. I love to go fishing with Don. And while I've been fishing with Don, I've caught turtles. I've caught a big sheet of metal. I catch a lot of sticks. And one time, I even caught a fish that had one of my worms in its mouth from a previous cast. I thought that was pretty impressive. I could probably never do that again in my life. But I've never done something that's described in this story. Listen, church, we must understand this. This may seem like a small thing to people. This is a miracle. And King Jesus is sovereignly in control of everything in the universe, including every fish and every lake. Jesus raises the dead. Jesus created the earth merely with his spoken word. Jesus saves sinners. Jesus gives sight to the blind. Jesus softens hardened hearts. And Jesus can cause a fish to have a coin in its mouth, and then he can sovereignly guide Peter's fishing line right to that fish. The Apostle John says this about Jesus in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. He's speaking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome. We must understand, church, Jesus was a miracle worker, and he still is a miracle worker. We must remember the miracle. God knows everything that you need. Did you know that? God is all-knowing. The fancy word we use for that is he is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything that you need. He knew that coin would be there. He knew Peter would catch that fish. He knew it would be just the right amount to pay the tax for Peter and Jesus. God knows everything that you need, and he will never Abandon you. We must remember we serve a miraculous king. He wants you to remember that he is master and king. He wants you to remember his mission. And he wants you to remember that he is miraculous. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now some have twisted this verse to mean that God is going to make us handsome, rich, and powerful. 
That has not yet worked for me. God does not promise you the riches of this world. That is pocket change when it comes to the riches of God. You don't need the pocket change that this world has to offer. You need the riches of God in glory in Christ Jesus. That is what you need. You need love, and there's no love like what is found in Jesus. You need peace. Jesus said, peace I give unto you. You need life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. You need grace, which is only found and the miraculous power of Jesus. Remember the miraculous power of Jesus. Remember the miracle. Our God is miraculous. And that takes us to our bottom line. Our loyalty is to a miraculous God with a miraculous mission. Our loyalty is to a miraculous God with a miraculous mission. I don't know about you, but you know, you got to think at some point, the disciples, the apostles, the chosen 12, they just witnessed all these miracles of Jesus. And I don't know if sometimes they're just like, well, here he goes again. You know, and then like maybe something like this coin was not a big deal to them. I don't know. But I'm impressed with this. I mean, to me, it's amazing. Just that little reminder, and for all those who were a part of that, to see Jesus is miraculous, and he is in charge. He is miraculous, and he is in charge, and he has a mission for us. He has a mission for his church. So we must remember to whom we belong, and we must remember why we are here on this earth. Think about that for a second. To whom do you belong? Where does your loyalty lie? And why are you here on this earth? The truth of the matter is, many of us don't put effort towards nearly anything. We just kind of do our thing and kind of go through life. One day it'll end. Others of us put a lot of effort into a lot of things that don't even matter. I mean, just follow along on people's social media and things like that. See what's important to them. See where they spend their time and their money. A lot of us don't put any effort into anything, and many of us, when we do put in effort into something, it's not even important. But what about the mission that God has for us? Can we get to the point where we realize we belong to Jesus, and he has a mission for us? We have a God who loves us powerfully and he has left us a powerful mission. So let us not be distracted. Let us be focused on who we belong to and what our mission is. Challenge yourself this week in two ways. Weekly challenge number one, identify the mission of God. Can you, can you identify the mission of God? Now, if you've been here for more than two weeks, I sure hope you can. Or else you've been sleeping in church, which we're going to talk about that next week, by the way. But can you identify the mission of God? What is the most important thing that God wants you to do? Take some time this week, get along with a cup of coffee or Coca-Cola or whatever, and ask yourself, what is God's mission for me?
Write it down. Pray over it. Think about it. Challenge yourself to do that this week. Weekly challenge number two, ask yourself if you are on mission. Ask yourself if you are on mission. I love my boys so much, but they are so easily distracted. I mean, I can tell them, look them right in the eye and say, I want you to do two things. Brush your teeth and tie your shoes. I'll be right back. When I come back, it's like I never even met them in my life. (laughs) What was that? What did you want me to do? You said something. I did. Said to brush your teeth and tie your shoes. I'll be back in a few minutes. Same thing. Until finally I had to get a little tough on them. The reality is we're the same way too. Jesus' mission for us is not complicated. Now, I didn't say it was easy, but it's not complicated. The question is, are we on mission? We're so easily distracted by the things of this world that we forget about the mission that God has left for us. So ask yourself this week, what is the mission of God? And ask yourself, am I on mission? The reality is, for those of us who have been changed by Jesus We are sons and daughters of the king. We belong to him. And we have all the inheritance that has been secured for us by God's Holy Spirit waiting for us to experience eternal joy. That guarantee cannot be taken. And those riches are far beyond anything the world has to offer. But we are so easily distracted. So I want to encourage you as we bring this to a conclusion in just a moment. I want to encourage you Consider if you're on task, if you're on mission. Are you focused on what really matters? You know, some of us are fighting to get our preferences met. Some of us even do that in the church. We're coming here and we say that our mission is to make disciples, but then we spend most of our time fighting to get our preferences met. Apparently the mission is to do whatever we want to do, rather than the mission of God. Some of us spend our energy fighting for a political reality if we could just get this policy passed or just do this thing then we would be victorious nothing wrong with that i'm a voter i care about politics probably more than most of you you just don't hear me talk about it a whole lot because i'm here to preach the gospel but i care about the gospel a lot more than i care about who is in office i'll tell you that right now are you seeking to become rich and handsome or beautiful and powerful or are you on mission for the master think about that this week now if you are without Jesus here's something really cool about this story the master has a mission for us but also the master was on mission for us he has a mission for us but he was on mission so that he would miraculously give his life and rise from the dead so that you could experience the forgiveness of God. That is the very mission for why he came to the earth, is to live a holy, he was born miraculously, and he died and rose from the dead miraculously. And he did miracles his whole life so that we might know 
that he really is the Son of God. He really is the King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega. And then he gave his life on the cross so that you and I could have our sin debt paid. Because the Bible says the wages, the payment for sin is death. Jesus paid that debt. He paid those wages. He absorbed all the wrath of God for his sin, for, for the sins of others, not for his own. And then he showed how miraculously powerful he was by rising from the dead. By the way, as he said he would do. You can read the Gospels. Jesus said before he died, this is what I'm going to do. And then when he did, everybody was like, that's amazing. Just like he did with the coin. He said, go catch that coin, that fish, and you'll be a coin inside. And there was. Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified by the Jews, handed over to the Romans and be crucified. And he was. And Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he did. Miraculously and powerfully. And the Bible says, just as Christ rose to new life, so too we can walk in a new way of life. So if you don't know Jesus, he died so you could have your sins forgiven. And he rose from the dead so that you could have new life. On this earth and for eternity. And the riches of God are promised to you when you are in Christ. Again, I'm not talking about the pocket change of the world. I'm talking about the riches of God. Which is what we truly need. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of response. I don't know if this is a play off the sermon title, but I like the song, Jesus Paid It All. He paid the temple tax then, but he paid much more. He paid it all. All to him, the master, we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So as we sing, I want to encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a child of the master, Express your devotion to the Lord. Express your thanksgiving to the Lord that he saved you from your sin. Renew your commitment to him. Renew your commitment to his mission. Don't be distracted by the things of this world. Seek not to cause offense when it distracts from the mission. Seek to not worry about being offensive when you're committing the mission of God. And seek to do what God's called you to do. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. You cannot call God your father and king. Jesus paid it all so that you could be forgiven of your sins and have new life. I'd love to talk to you. I'll be down here singing with my family. Pastor Richard's up here as well. We would love to talk to you, answer any question. You can come even as we sing and say, I want to know more about following Jesus or I want someone to pray with me or I have a question. However God is leading, you say, I want to join this church or I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized so everybody knows I'm a follower of Jesus. Or you, say, you might say, perhaps God's calling you to a, a certain level of Christian service or ministry. However, whatever, come tell us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to help you be faithful to what the Lord's called you to do. Church, remember the master. Remember the mission. Remember the miracle. Join me now in prayer.